you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sanger always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sanger Bureau, welcome to fun, fun, fun episode. Uh, this has been a long time coming. Katie and I have known each other for I don't know how many years now, and uh, I've been a huge fan. I think we've collaborated on so many events together, and it's been just fascinating to see the journey Katie had in her career, especially recently with Discover Org. She has done so many more. So I'll let her share more about it. But Katie, I am so, so, so excited to have you on the podcast. Sangram, this is always one of my favorite conversations to have. So I'm super excited to be here today. All right. So we're going to talk about a whole bunch of topics, especially in terms of people taking heavy transitions in their role and, and really learn from you. What was that like for you and how did that come about? Uh, but before we jump into it, we'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself and a fun fact. Sure. So I'm the president at Discover Org now. I started as CMO about three years ago, and uh, at that time, moved up here to the Pacific Northwest, so we're up in the Portland area from Texas, which is where I grew up and I'm from. Let's see, an interesting fun fact. I, I am the only non-twin in my family, so I have two sets of younger twin sisters, but all five of us look exactly alike, so we have a lot of fun with people if we're all five out. Sometimes people think we're, uh, we're quintuplets, so... That was that was fun growing up. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean that that could throw some people off. Like, wait a minute, who did that talk to? It does. It does. And um, you know, it's funny. Obviously, when you're young, you can tell the difference between an eight-year-old and a baby. That's pretty right. clear. But as we got older, and you know, when we were like 35 and 31 and 27, like all of a sudden those lines started to blur and people were like, Who are the twins? And which one is older? And um, we do we would have a lot of fun. That is fantastic. Fantastic. So Katie, you just shared, you know, you were the chief growth officer uh, or slash CMO at, you know, Discover Org, and then you became the president. I mean, that is quite a different trajectory. I think most people stay and figure out that most people that we've talked on this podcast has been like, all right, how do I get, how did I go from manager to director, director to CMO, um, or in, in the marketing world or in the sales world, how do I go from NSDR to an AE, AE to a director of sales? So it has been very much a vertical transition. And I think even that is hard because there's a completely different set of things and skills that you need. You went from being in marketing, head running marketing to a president of the company and might as well, like one of the best companies in MarTech. How did that come about? That's a, that is a, there's a lot of answers to that question. You know, I'll, I'll start by saying, I think one of the things that is unique about my background is that I actually didn't come up as a marketer. So while I went from CMO to president, my time in marketing wasn't actually all that long. So I had this very, uh, like, as you said, it's not, it's not, it's not really a vertical path. I sort of had this very like horizontal meandering path through my career where um, my background, my so I, so I actually got my degrees from the School of Architecture and Urban Planning, and I started actually more in a finance role working with municipalities who were trying to understand impacts of real estate developments. So I, so I started in this finance role. I, I wore a budget hat and a 
financial strategy hat um, and kind of a corporate strategy hat from that perspective and ended up at a tech company that had real estate software. So that was sort of how these two things came together where, you know, I hadn't started out in the tech world. I definitely had started out in marketing. I started out in real estate. I got brought onto a company that had real estate software. And initially they wanted me to come on in a strategy role, which is where my background was. And it was going to take, um, it was going to take about six months of me living across the country before I could be based back in Austin, which is where I was. And I just decided I couldn't do that. I just wasn't going to work for my family. And so the company and the company was a crewant. They said, well, we want to find a We think you're a really great fit for this company. Um, we realize you can't do this role, but let's keep in touch and figure out a role. And so I remember getting a, having a conversation about four months after that initial interview. And they said, what do you think about being a marketing director? And mm -hmm. I said, I have no idea what I think about being a marketing director because I've never done marketing before. It was that company when they asked you to come in on the market? So they were about 30 million in revenue. They had just got bought by private equity firm Vista. So Vista was actually the one that I was having the conversations with Vista Equity Partners. Right. And they were relocating this business from Santa Monica, California to Austin, Texas. And, and they were essentially rebuilding the marketing team from the ground up. And so I said, literally, like, I don't, I don't even know, I don't even know what I would do. And they said, well, we, you know, we've looked at your personality. I took a bunch of assessments. We've looked at your background. We actually think you are a really great fit for marketing, even though you've never done it traditionally before. I had done some like market strategy and product strategy and positioning. I definitely done a little bit of that in my background. Um, and, and they said, and we'll help you. We will we have, you know, a, an operating consulting arm. We've got some consultants. We think we think you can do this, and we we, we believe in you that you can do this. Wow. So me, I'm like, well, I liked doing different things. I had done a bunch of different things up to that point, and I just, I I, I really loved the fact that you know they they were willing to put that sort of confidence in me, and I said yes. And so I came on board as like a marketing person of one. I built the marketing team up there. And I would say even 18 months into that role, I wasn't sure that like marketing was where I wanted to be, but I knew that he was right in that I, I was thriving in that particular role. And so, so, you know, why were you trying? I feel like this is such a fascinating story. I think, and this is what I love about marketing so much. I originally entered into the architecture field. I thought that I wanted to be an architect because I thought it was the perfect blend of art and science. And I thought that I, I wore both of those hats very, very well. You know, whether that was in high school or in college, like I loved balancing my creative side with my scientific and kind of math orientation. And when I, once I actually got into marketing, I was like, oh, this is actually the perfect blend of art and science. I can be creative and connect with people and tell stories. But I, it's also very data-driven, which right, I had just spent my whole career in these very data-driven roles. It's very data-driven. I clearly see the impact that I'm having all the way through, um, you know, through the business. And, 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 and so I think it was actually the fact that I was, I was able to leverage both of those things that is what was making this role so fulfilling for me. That is so fantastic. I mean, I feel like one of the big things that uh, that I hear from people is saying yes when the when it seems that it, it's it's out of your league. 
uh, in many ways saying, you know, I've never done it. And it's so interesting. I think when people listen to it, like, oh, I would, people would die to be in that position. And then here, here you are um, being humble about it. Like, well, hey, look, I actually don't know anything about this, right? I didn't know anything. I didn't, I, yeah, I, I was like, I, I remember writing up this email. Because he said, why don't you write up what you think you will be able to kind of hit the ground running on and like what you can't. And I have to go back and see if I can find this email. It was like three things. I was like, hey, I think I can do these three things. And then like these 20 things I need help on. And you know, what's interesting, you just said this whole like saying yes. I would say that's the number one piece of advice I give to anyone who's wondering, like, how do I move up in an organization? How do I, you know, accelerate my career is say yes to things that you might feel unqualified for. It will feel uncomfortable for the first three to six months, but if you dive in and you're just open and you're curious and you ask good questions, you'll figure it out. And that's what will allow you to, you know, to get the next role or to expand beyond whatever that one function is that you're in now. That's great. All right. So now take us to the journey of like, how did Zoom Info discover org? Like, you know, how did all of this come into picture? Sure. So he's in marketing. 18 months, I kind of got out. I said, let me go back to a strategy role. I went back to being a chief of staff and I took on HR and recruiting and training and um, sales development, kind of a few ancillary functions as a chief of staff where I was, I was sort of like the temporary leader of those whenever we had a gap at a, again, at a, at a previous company. And so bringing all of those things together, all of a sudden I had, I had a marketing experience, product management experience and some operational experience and some finance background. And so I, I, that was the, finally the point where I said to myself, like, I actually think I can do this. Like, I think I can lead an organization and I'm, maybe this is actually something I want to do at some point down the road. And, and I don't think it was until that point in my career where I was the chief of staff for a company called Nature Tech that I, that I realized that. So these two companies that I happen to work for in Austin, they both sold to the same private equity owner, TA Associates, who happens to be the owner of Discover Work. And after the second one sold, I was working with them for about six months and they said, hey, we've got, we've got potentially another opportunity for you up in Portland, Oregon, this really cool company called Discover Work. I, funny thing is I used to work for Hoover's. I worked for TMB Hoover's, but I did not know Discover Org at the time because they were, I think they were like literally just... Uh, had just been founded when I was out at Hoover's. And they said, we think that you'd be a really great fit, but you'd be coming back in just as a CMO, but it's growing so fast. And there's so much opportunity here that, you know, the, the, the sort of the sky's the limit. So I remember getting a demonstration of DiscoverOrg and thinking to myself, how have I never had this my whole entire life? Like I you know, here I was leading marketing and sales development and business development teams. I was like hiring people to go do a bunch of research to find out what technologies our prospects were using to find the right, you know, phone numbers and what they cared about and putting it all into a CRM. And then as soon as we'd get all the information put together and we, you know, we'd rank all of our prospects, like all the data would be out of date again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here was a company where they were doing that for me. And I remember what I said was, this is the right company for me because one, I've been, I've been the customer. Like I, you found the problem. Yeah, I feel this problem. I can definitely market this because I'm like so excited about it. 
And I understand from, you know, from a, from a broader corporate perspective, I understand what a, the product would need. I understand, you know, what the market would need. I'd understand sort of how to pull these levers. So I, I immediately said yes and came on board as the CMO for about nine months and then added product back to that. And then since then I've kind of, you know, grown in functional capacity to the point that that I was named president last year. But again, it wasn't like a plan. I just knew that this was a company I could provide a lot of value at because I could, I could wear a lot of hats. I had worn a lot of hats and I felt really passionate about what the company was doing. Were you a friend with Henry, who's the CEO of uh, Discover Org, about, hey, look, I want to, this is awesome. This is great. I'm super excited to share it. And I've seen you talk about this with so much passion. So I think it's infectious in, in many ways. Uh, at the same time, you knowing that, hey, look, I'm actually feel for the very first time in, as part of your career is like, I can do more and there's more opportunity for me. Was that ongoing? Because I'm kind of thinking about people listening to this podcast thinking like, oh my goodness, that's an incredible run. How did you do that? Did that just happen one morning? Somebody said, hey, you want to be president? Or was there an intentional conversation that did go through it? So there was not an intentional conversation about the president role. There was an intentional conversation that I can do more over time. So I remember because the company that I was coming from, I was leading marketing product and corporate development. So I, I had, a, but it was a much smaller company. Right. And I remember coming in just as the CMO. And I remember having a conversation with Henry, Henry, like this is the thing that's most important right now in this business to get right is to get this marketing function, right? I am going to give it everything. I'm going to be maniacally focused here. We are going to crush this. And when that happens, like there are other things I think in this company that I'm really well suited for. For example, we didn't really have a true product management function. We didn't have a roadmap. I mean, we had great products that were coming out, but it wasn't a discipline in the company. And so I had that conversation early on, but I didn't push it. What I said is, we'll come back to that when like marketing is an engine and it is running. And we've I've got leaders on the marketing team that are that can do this without me needing to be involved day to day. And I think. That's the other key to anybody who wants to kind of keep advancing in your career is you have to think about your role as making your team successful without you, because that's the only way that you're then going to be able to go take on the next thing. So when that, when we got to that point, there was another conscious, deliberate, you know, conversation. Hey, I think this product thing is the next thing where I can provide value and marketing is running really well. And we've got trust in that team. and then. Yep. We, yeah. you know, go focus on that. I think that is, I mean, my, my gosh, like I'm, I'm, I'm just literally taking notes, notes here Katie, because I feel this idea of creating leaders is really profound in many ways. Because a lot of times I think people that are in leadership roles feel like they are, they have to have answer for everything. Yep. And when you do that, you do end up having to need to have an answer for everything, but you do get burned out. You do get almost like good, bad, ugly. And well, and you become the bottleneck. You you become the problem if, if that's the case. Yeah. So how, when, when this, I mean, this is fascinating. When this conversation happens about, okay, this engine is running, I don't know how many CMOs can ever say that, that, hey, look, the marketing engine is running. Could you tell me to like just educate, not the actual numbers or anything like that. What's your definition of like, hey, look, marketing engine is running. 
<laughs> I will give you a couple of numbers because they are pretty. Well, so essentially we had, we had a very well built plan at every step of the way that marketing and sales were totally aligned on. We knew what our goals were right across, whether it was lead or demos our pipeline or um, how much of that needed to come from marketing. And we, we had, a, we had basically had a track record of like six straight months hitting or exceeding that budget every single time our sales team was hitting or exceeding their revenue plan every time. This is a stat that everybody kind of freaks out when they hear marketing was sourcing 60% of all the revenue in the business while spending two and a half percent of revenue. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And we were returning $7 for every $1 we spent in marketing. So when I say it was an engine, I really do mean like it was an engine that, that we had built here. We knew we just, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that everything was always smooth, but we knew what levers we needed to be pulling. We had the right people in place who were specialized in focusing on their channels and they knew their metrics. They owned them. They knew that if something was down, like, you know, they had to raise their hand and say, hey, this isn't working. I'm on it. Here's what I'm going to do. So when I, when I think about the engine moving, it was more that it's not that everything was always like perfect. It's that we had the instruments in place to, to, to have full visibility to how everything was operating. We were hitting our numbers, but we also knew that if at any point we weren't, we were going to be ahead of it. We were going to see those leading indicators ahead of time, and we were going to be able to get in front of them. I love that. I mean, those are fantastic stats to have to say, uh, for every dollar we spend $7, that's like, you know, I remember the John Wanamaker quote that I typically, you know, hear from a lot of people is that, hey, look, we know half of the money that we are spending on marketing is working, working. we just don't know which half. Yes. Where yeah. most organizations are on. And for somebody to say that, no, 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 here, here are the metrics. And I think that creates credibility in the organization yes. for you to say. Yeah. And, and that was what Henry asked me to come in to do. He said, he, you know, at the very beginning, he goes, I don't know what's working in marketing or not. They might actually, everything might be working, but I don't know. So I need you to come in and I need you to create a re- revenue-driven marketing organization. I need, I need to know what's working in marketing. And that's why I said, give me, give me, you know, three months and here's what we're going to have. Give me six months and here's what you're going to have. And then I just had to deliver on that. And I had to, to your, to the conversation we had earlier, I had to not talk about all the other things I wanted to do yeah. until all of that. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's awesome. So, all right. so now you've crushed it literally in every aspect. How did, how is the, how's the role different now that you are now the president? What does that mean? Are some of the peers that you have, do they now reporting to you? How has that changed? Um, has the people that reported into you in marketing, are they becoming the CMO? What, what, what is your role and, and, and how does it differ? Yeah, so now we have a CMO, we have a head of product, we, had a, we have a head of customer experience, we have a head of partnerships. You know, at the end of the day, I think the biggest change for me, um, and I think this is always hard for somebody who's moving from a functional role into an enterprise role, is, you know, you're not in the weeds of that day-to-day function every day. And so you have to have a a leadership team that works with you, that you trust, you have a really good cadence with, that you're communicating with really tightly. Because, you know, early on, when you you first start to, when I first, for instance, started not being in the weeds in marketing every day, like it's a little frightening, right? It's like, oh, I, I don't, am I losing control? Do I, do I not know if I don't know exactly what's going on? Am I going to be able to answer the questions that Henry has or that the 
board has, but that comes, that's where it comes back to. You've got to have your job is to build your strong leadership team. And if you have that strong leadership team, that's the only way you're going to scale. That's the only way the company's going to scale. And so my role has changed more to now being able to think about more of the, the broader cross-functional strategic things. You know, what is our overall growth strategy as an organization? What does that look like from the perspective of a board member? And how, do, how, how does the board think about where we should be investing our resources? And why would they invest that way? And, and really making sure that I'm thinking through that lens as well. And I think that's, I think that's the, the other key that I would advise anybody, even if they're still in a functional role, like a CMO or a CRO, is to view every decision that you're going to make through the lens of your CEO and your board. Like, how would they think about that decision? It can't be a personal decision about what's best for your function. It has to be about what's best for the business. That is fantastic advice. All right. So I'm, I'm going to try to summarize some of the big ideas here, Katie, and then I'd love for you to share a challenge with everybody who's listening to this, this episode and thinking that, okay, that all sounds great. Like, what do I do today? And, and I think some of this is probably in, in the notes that I'm about to share because there's still. Yeah. So number one, I love the point that you started by saying yes to something that you didn't feel comfortable doing or knowing that you could do. That speaks volume. And I think uh, I remember on one of the interviews we had on the podcast where somebody said, if you kept saying that I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I can't do more, and then complain that you're not getting promoted or you're not getting it, but it's the exact opposite of what you should be doing. It never dawned on me, like, that's actually true about being busy. You're not by saying no, in a way you're saying, I, I can't do anything. How, how can your manager give you more responsibility when you say that I'm busy? And you said yes to something that you didn't know enough about, but you were very... Hardly anything about <laughs> What I love about your story is that you were upfront about that. You didn't say, hey, I don't know, but I'm going to just do it. If they can try to make it kind of thing. You were actually very transparent about it, which I think is, a, is an incredible, incredible thing to even do that saying, here are the three things I'm good at and I think I can do it. Here are the 10 things I'm not and I'm going to need help. I think that created probably more confidence and whoever was hiring you for that is like, oh, wow, this person is going to always tell me the truth and I can depend on this person and it's never going to just boast about it. This person is going to just tell us how it is. So I think that was great. Um, and this, this idea of like throughout this process, I think the common theme for me, Katie, from what, what your journey sounds to me is you're creating leaders all along. You're creating leaders in marketing that led to allow you to kind of go and do something else in the same organization, it didn't threaten you. You didn't, I'm assuming the people who are working for you now are like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this person gave me not only a chance to do my job, but elevated my career in the truest sense. And, and that I think is awesome that, you know, when you create leaders, not just followers, I think it's, it's, it's an incredible and good testament to you. And then I, I love this part, which is making decisions based on the board and CEO perspective. I feel that is such a big idea. I hope more people take notes on that. Is if, if it's not that you're not trying to make decisions for your customers, it's, it's really that you need to be prepared to respond to your CEO and board by saying, here is why we're going to take this type of campaign program activity decision, because it's, it is how, and really start thinking about the questions they might be asking. So you're aligning yourself with the CEO and the board way before they even ask you the questions. You're really elevating your understanding around it. So I, I love, those are like the top three takeaways and we'll have more in the show notes. Uh, but Gabe, what is 
what is the one challenge you want to give to everybody who is, is trying to make this horizontal move or even further in the organization move? What is the one thing that you would say they should truly focus on? I think they have to truly focus on hiring the best team. And, and I think where I would start is be honest about what you either, what you're the only one that can do in the organization and hire essentially your replacement because that is going to create the bottleneck that's going to keep you from being able to move up. And then two, be honest about where you're not super skilled and hire for people who complement those things as well. And I think if you do those two things and to the, you know, to the conversation we had earlier and you really work on growing your leaders as the next, you know, the next you um, for the organization, that's where I would start. 100%. I, love I love that. Hire your replacement. Hire your replacement. I love that. All right, Katie, thank you so much. And hey, for everybody who's listening, Katie's actually doing a whole series. So look out for that uh, in the next upcoming episode. So Katie, again, thank you for your time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.